Hello out there, world. Welcome to episode four of my podcast, The Modern Educator. It is I, Corey Brown, uh, discussing uh, today my greatest failures in education. Yes, I uh, have spent some time reflecting on the bad experiences I have had in the classroom, my, my mistakes, as I could say, when dealing with students and reaching kids. Uh, thankfully, I can report that a lot of these situations happened early on in my educational career, and I have learned from them and grown based off of them. Uh, yet there was there is one, uh, one story from last year that I will share with you all, uh, as always, without using these kids' real names. Uh, and I'll tell you this, I plan on having future episodes where I will have sort of co-hosts, where I will sort of interview some of my fellow teachers, and we will discuss uh, just their ideas about what what works in the classroom and what doesn't. So here we go, my, my greatest mistakes. Uh, the first thing that, that really comes to mind is when I worked at the Saquon Indian Reservation. It was an incredible job. Uh, I was right out of college. I was maybe 20 or 21 years old, and I was getting paid 25 bucks an hour. We had a refrigerator that was full of food all the time. You could just eat it for free. We'd go to the casino buffet for free. There was there was so many perks to that job, and it was near perfect in that regard. And my whole purpose at Saquon was I worked at this after-school tutoring program. So the kids showed up after they went to you know the public schools nearby, and I helped them with their homework. That was it. So the job sounded too good to be true. I was only assigned four students. We had top-of-the-line computers. We, we had everything we needed. And I was thrilled to meet these students. I was, you know, this young, fresh guy right off being a summer camp counselor. I really impressed people at my interview. And sure enough, the first day, the kids hated me. They hated me. And I used some bad strategies. I really tried to be their friend on day one. I tried to be funny. I tried to make them laugh. I tried to be like, yeah, you know, I grew up around here too. I'm just like you guys. They did not fall for that. Um, almost even on that first day, the kids were saying how they, they didn't like me. They thought I was fake. They thought I was trying too hard. Um, I mean, honestly, I was uh, when it really comes down to it. And there was uh, one boy who really hated working with me, but he was a kid who really needed help. He was in a, like middle school, and he could not read a basic book like a Clifford the Big Red Dog kind of book you know one sentence on every line using one syllable words kid could not do it words didn't work in his brain so one day my supervisor told me to make sure that that kid read at least one book no matter what and I'm you know a hardcore educator I took my job seriously so I took this kid into this sort of private reading room that still had windows and stuff and I was working with that kid. Um, I read a line of the book and I said, okay, your turn to read. And he started reading and I corrected him when he made a mistake. And considering on it now, I should have been more, I mean, well, I should have corrected his mistake, of course, but I, I think I was rather harsh on him and I had maybe a, a frustrated, angry tone 
Um, and the kid did not respond to that at all. So he immediately started to get physical with me. He started to shout insults at me, called me some very vulgar things. Uh, he then pushed at me because I was sort of standing in a way that he couldn't get out of out of his spot. Um, he started shouting. He was just being ridiculous. Uh, and I, you know, said, hey, kid, you know, we'll finish this this book and then you can go. And he said some more curse words and then he spit in my face. And when that happened, I stepped away from his chair. He called me some more slurs. He left and I never saw that kid again. And when I reported to my boss, I still had the spit on my face. And she said, uh, Corey, how did you let this situation get to that level? You should have just let him go. And I lost my mind right there because I, you know, she gave me the directive to make that kid read and he didn't read. Uh, and I, I think that same day I said, okay, well, I'll put in my two weeks notice. I want to get out of here. And she said, you don't need to do that. You're fired. So, uh, that was, that was the rung of my story with the Indian kids. They were, they were tough. They, they started me in the fire and, uh, have things got easier from there? Well, definitely experience has taught me quite Alright, this next story from My Greatest Failures is about a student I had in South Korea. I'm going to call her Joni. That is most certainly not her name, as Korea would imply. But uh, this is mostly going to be about a kid named Joni. Joni uh, had taken several classes with me before, and she was always at the highest level English class, English level 14. I think for a while she may have lived in America or New Zealand or something. She was perfectly fluent, an incredible student, thought I was hilarious, did all her homework perfectly, took tests perfectly. Uh, this kid will get a PhD when she's 15. She probably already has one now. Frickin', frickin' Joni. Um, anyway, super kid. Loved this kid in my class. And this is sort of why I was a failure to her as a teacher, because I, I sort of trusted her abilities too much and I didn't challenge her as well as I could. Um, and it comes it comes down to a lot of things in, in my failure here, but I'll, I'll describe the situation. So in the class, we read a bunch of classic English literature and a part of the class is all sort of creative writing. So the pen ultimate project of the class was kids had to choose one of the books we read and they had to write a continuation chapter that sort of uh, continued the plot of the book and there was a part about using sort of the author's voice uh, in their continuation chapter. And I had, uh, I think if I recall, it was one of the bigger classes in Korea. So I had, I think, uh, 18 kids in the class and I got their papers in on like a Thursday and I had to grade them all and give them sort of their like results and submit their grades the next day, that Friday. And if any English teachers are out there, you know how impossible it is to grade a bunch of essays, especially in these. These were like 10 page continuation chapters by students who are all ELL, uh, English language learners. So it was it was a challenge. And I remember when I got home that night, from my classes, I sort of made two piles. I said, okay, these are the kids that are maybe on the line between 
passing or failing the class, sort of getting a, a higher low mark. And these are the kids who I know just knocked it out of the park. Um, and if I recall, uh, Joni's work was super long. It was like a 30-page chapter extension from the book For Whom the Bell Tolls. And I sort of flipped through it. You know, it talked about sort of continuing the Spanish Civil War. It talked about the, the female uh, lead character sort of taking up the reins of the main character after he died because it's implied he dies at the end of the book. Um, so I spent three minutes on it. I flipped through it and I gave her a perfect score. And then I really investigated the kids who were on the line. Uh, and of course, you know, the next day, uh, Joni gets a score. It's a perfect score. She's happy with it. Um, and then this is, this is where I really failed her as a teacher. It was months later. And I don't think she was my student anymore at that time. I, I'm wondering where we had this interaction. Um, I think maybe her little sister joined my class. And Joni came into class one day, was really excited to see me, say hi, talk about some lessons we did. And she asked me, what did you think of my extension for Whom the Bell Tolls? And I said, oh yeah, it was really good. And she, she knew me so well she looked at me and she said you didn't really read it did you and that statement she made haunts me to this day like wow that i mean look i knew she was smart i knew she was clever but i think she was really looking forward to reading my comments on her story and when i gave her back her paper the next day as i mentioned i glanced over it i just sort of like put some check marks on it, wrote awesome at the end. And I, I really didn't critique it. And she was looking forward to that. Like, man, there's so many kids that I, I give them these, you know, papers with all these red marks on them and stuff. They look at them and they just say like, we don't care. They throw it away. But, but this girl was, was excited about it. And I denied her that part of her education. And, and she, she lost respect for me in that look. And that, Man, that was that was a moment for me. It still haunts me even now. All right, the next story that I kind of want to share with you guys, uh, I, I don't really have a specific story for this, but I want to just make this general comment. Um, I remember when I was in, uh, as a summer camp counselor, I had an employee review one day, and my boss came in, and she told me, like, you're a really good counselor. The kids love you, this stuff, this stuff. However, your emotional state translates into the way that you work with kids. And I, I would challenge any educator that they wouldn't follow that same uh, criticism. Because it, it, this, this was her logic. She said, you know... Some days you come into work and you're really like excited, energetic. I don't know, maybe you had a big breakfast or something and you have all the energy to really express to the kids and expose to the kids. But I've noticed that other days, you know, you come in, you're, you're sort of like depressed. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep last night. Maybe you have some issues going on in your social life. And those issues affect me in the classroom, affect me with kids. And I'm not saying that I like, Go up to a kid, you know, why did my girlfriend leave me? Uh, and I, I, it, I don't bring them into the classroom directly, 
but the way that I carry myself, my attitude, I, I generally am a positive, happy, high energy guy, but I can't, I, I'm not that every single day. I am not a consistent 100% personality. And, uh, that was sort of the, the complaint my boss gave to me. And I, I know that that is a valid criticism of me in the classroom and the way that I work with kids. There are just some days where I, I just don't have the magic in me. Uh, and I, I just, I get through them. Learning happens. But I, I challenge anyone in any profession to constantly be at 100% ability every day. Um, and uh, I, I'll, I'll say some specific stories with this. I remember there was just one day, um, my first year of teaching here in Las Vegas, that I was just, I don't know, it was, you just, you, you get moods, I guess. Um, and I, I think I was teaching a lesson that I really wasn't all that excited to teach. Uh, so th there were some boys talking in my sixth period class, and these are generally good kids. But on that day, I just wasn't having it. So I yelled at those kids and I kicked one of those kids out of my classroom. I, I, I didn't say like, get the, you know, F word out or something. I, I, think I, I think I told him, you know, to sit outside because I was in this sort of outdoor classroom at the time. Um, or maybe I told him like, go to the bathroom, even though he didn't have to go. But I, I was just, I was angry at the world. Um, and I remember as soon as that kid left the classroom, I thought about it and I was like, that kid really didn't do anything wrong. This is, this is me overreacting right now. Um, and when the kid came back, I, I apologized to him. And I, I, you know, I interacted with that student a lot last year, actually. He gave me sort of a hug at the end of school thing for, for students. So I, I, I improved the, the relationship with that specific kid. But uh, that moment taught me, like, if I am a disciplinarian, I have to be consistent. I can't let my mood, my attitude determine the consequences that kids face. That must be consistent. And I don't think I ever did anything extreme in this regard. But typically, when I am in front of kids, there is sort of like a song and dance going on. There is an element of improvisation and some days you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you, you can't you can't give it your all. That's uh that's the real struggle. Um let me see if I got any more stories to share with you guys. Uh I know that especially in my time as an early teacher, I thought I knew everything. I was fresh out of college and when a kid asked me a question, I told them what I thought the answer might be what I assumed it would be and later kids would you know google the answer or talk to another teacher and they'd come back Mr. Brown you were wrong and it made me look really dumb uh and I know now that I'm much more comfortable telling a kid I don't know or why don't we google it together or I'll pose the question to the class so I I realize now a mistake I made early on was assuming that I had to be the human Wikipedia. Uh, I think I am actually a pretty good human Wikipedia now, but in my early days, I was I was definitely making mistakes. Um, 
And then uh, I, I'm also going to throw this one out there. I, I, this one's sort of both a success and a failure simultaneously. Um, currently in my classroom, I'm uh, organizing this very large simulation game that's going to be played over many class periods. Uh, and I don't expect it to take up the entire time in my classroom, but we are going to start it on you know the first week of the school year, and I've got the entire history department at my school working with me on this. It's, well, well world history department, I've got to make that. But uh, I, I, at the meeting I had today with some of my coworkers, they said, we're concerned that this game doesn't have a lot of academic value, that it's sort of just a way to have fun with the students and hopefully the students will get engaged. And the game is, you know, this build a civilization game in the classroom and they deal with a lot of the concepts. And I, I can functionally make a very good argument that there is educational value in the game. However, I see the argument that the time in the class could be better spent teaching skills, teaching content rather than rolling a dice to see how much food your city grows this season. But the way that I counter this criticism that's put on me, that I am a failure of an educator because there's too many games and too much fun in my class. If literally all I did was just play these kind of games, then I probably would be a failure of an educator. But the way that I see it, this game will only be 15% maximum of the time in the classroom and the other 85% of the time will be me teaching skills and content and I can better hold on to those kids keep their attention by offering them the incentive hey you know we'll just get through this essay writing uh skill lesson and the faster we get through it then we can play more rounds of the game or hey Steve you know you better Pay attention to what I'm about to say, because if you get the question wrong, we're going to lose game time today and the whole class is going to be mad. So things like that. It's I need to give kids an incentive. Uh, and that's what my my game periods are, because over the last three years at Rancho High School, there there were so many kids who would come in. Mr. Brown, when's when's the next game? And you know they, when they knew it was coming up later that week, I, they, the attention was was a lot more. Uh, uh, tangible with my students when they knew that a uh, great experience was on the horizon if they just gave their attention to me and gave their all. So I'm I'm always going to be that kind of teacher. The the find ways to make the class fun, but trust me, it's not all fun. It's there. There are some more challenging lessons, and the only way I can honestly get through them is if I offer kids something in the future all right well that's it for episode four uh if you have any ideas about other things you would like me to talk about please send me an email at vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com and future episodes you can expect that i will have other teachers sitting here next to me and we'll just have a conversation about good teaching practices all right peace out <laughs>